and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, news editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the splitting of financial planning from financial advice with Steve Connolly, founder of the Academy of Life Planning and a qualified financial advisor, and Sam Tate, co-founder and director of New World Financial Group. So welcome to you both and thanks for joining us today. Um, So according to some, the difference between an advisor and a planner is that a financial advisor is often more focused on overseeing an investment portfolio for an individual, while a financial planner is more big picture and looking at everything else that goes with it. Therefore, it's kind of been argued that financial planning and financial advice could be split so that planning on its own could allow those financial planners to focus on less wealthy and younger clients who are happy to kind of DIY invest. Now, Steve, I know you're an advocate of this idea because you've written an article for us before on this. So maybe we'll start with you. Why would splitting advice from planning make sense to you? Okay, Uh, I'd just like to get a little bit clearer on the definition of financial advice and financial planning first. Yeah, just financial advice is uh, we're talking here about regulated FCA regulated financial advice. Uh, which is advice relating to the buying and selling of uh, FCA-regulated investments, uh, which is actually, like say, small part of a much bigger picture. Uh, financial planning uh, can be done with a view to making an investment recommendation, so it's a, a small part of the small part. But financial planning in general is really about putting in place strategies, asset strategies, to meet uh, clients' desire for their favorite future. So it's a very, very much bigger picture. And uh, that's really the main reason why these are quite separate activities. One's a big picture and one's a much smaller picture, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, And Sam, do you kind of think this makes sense then? Absolutely, yeah. Steve and I are on the same page here. People talk about the advice gap, and the advice gap will will never disappear um, until full financial planning is embraced. And 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 this is about potential as well. You know, as chartered financial planners, financial planners, we've all been coached. I think we all want to enter clients' lives into in a in a deep and meaningful way. And um, financial planning allows that. And the financial advice element, the investment side of it, the um, the management of of investments directly, you know, there's a lot of competition for that now. And I think that's not to be feared, but it's to be embraced. Financial planning on its own um, can help people that are already investing on their own. Um, so it's for, for, for financial planners and for, for the financial planning world, this, this opens a lot of doors to helping a lot more people. Sure. And Steve, do you kind of think this will help the advice gap? Yeah, so I see the uh, the advice gap is about regulated advice uh, about the buying and selling of particular investments not being available to a large proportion of the population because they haven't got enough investments for it to be worthwhile. So I think the gap there is looking at solutions really for the 95% of the population that don't have £100,000 plus of investable assets uh, to be advised on. And that's really the group you're talking about, the younger, more DIY savvy uh, savers. They are probably looking for solutions to self-manage their own investment portfolio. 
Um, but the point I was making as well about the small picture and the big picture, the um, regulated investments are actually only about 5% of the total wealth of the average Brit. So uh, 40% is in occupational pension scheme, 40% is in property, about 10% is in uh, savings and deposits, and it's about 5% in um, investments, a subset of which is regulated investments. So it's really just we're talking about 5% of a client's wealth when we're talking about financial advice. But when we're talking about financial planning, we're talking about all of their wealth and uh, the whole, not just the tangible investment portfolio, because that's the assets I've just mentioned, but there's a whole raft of what we call intangible assets as well that need to be looked at. We certainly do this in the commercial world, and I, I think really we would stand to gain significantly if we also kind of took a commercial mindset and applied that in the personal finance world as well. Uh, so I'm just saying that the, the financial planning is a huge picture and the uh, regulated investment piece is quite a small uh, picture compared to the client's total wealth. Sure. And Sam, what do you think kind of the potential benefits would be if you had to kind of like list them? Well, we, we do a lot with young professionals. We do a lot with people that haven't had the time um, to, to build up their, their assets in a way that perhaps a traditional financial advisor might be able to help them. And, and the benefits that they get is the, you know, that they, they are building a plan so that they're getting direction in their life. Um, they're getting um, a lot of peace of mind. And they're getting, they're, 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 we're a sounding board in many ways. We're a coach. We're educating them to make decisions and to help them or to oftentimes um, support the decisions in many ways. So they may have something in mind or direction they want to go in, but just having somebody there that just um, uh, you know, joins the dots, that, that supports their decisions, that, that helps them sort of think in, in different ways, that's where there's real value um, for, for young people that perhaps... Um, are already financially well some of them are financially savvy some of them are not um, so there's, there's real um, you know we, we we position ourselves at the heart of their lives and um, almost they become um, a sounding board in many ways and and there's real value in that um, um, our future service for under 50s um, which is a subscription service so it's not le you know there's no um incentivization to incent in, incentive for us to invest any money on on their behalf um, and it doesn't matter to us whether they've got um you know ten thousand pounds of investments or a million pounds we're not there's no incentive there it's all about making the right decisions for the clients and removing so so one of the um you know we talk about the advice gap there's also a trust gap um and, and i believe that that's a really big issue within our industry um and the one that needs addressing we're trying to address that, and um, and as a result of that, we're doing it in a in a very clear clear way and very um, simple way. Hopefully, that, that that people can actually benefit from um, or can be, be, begin to believe that financial planners can benefit their lives in a very rich way, um, uh, richly rewarding yeah. way. Mm. Sure. And Steve, do you think this? Do you think that you know, kind of focusing on planning, kind of splitting it out, that you know you kind of have a better relationship with the client? Absolutely. Uh, young investors, they are really looking to grow their wealth, to build their wealth. And this is really where financial planning comes to its fore. Uh, 
traditional regulated financial planning is about saving wealth you've already made. But we, we take lessons uh, from, say, London Business School uh, professors there, Linda Gratton and Andrew J. Scott, produce uh, asset strategies that uh, people can use to actually create wealth. And I don't think a lot of uh, regulated financial advisors are familiar with those asset strategies. Uh, but basically, um, an asset is something that you own that has a future economic benefit. So as an example, your skill and knowledge set, so you might uh, take investing in yourself some professional qualifications, and you own that knowledge and skill, and then you can use that to create a future economic benefit. And that's a great asset strategy to make an investment into intangible assets of your, that you own in order to create future economic benefit. And I think a lot of young people would be really interested in building their assets to now. And if we just restrict the conversation to uh, what, how you save money you've already made, then we're going to miss out on a big opportunity there to really help uh, younger generations build wealth for tomorrow. So that's really what I focus on when I'm doing financial planning and doing asset strategies to create, to create wealth, not just in their bank accounts, but in every area of their life. And it's a strategy for their future. And that's what we miss out on with just a narrow focus on regulated investments. I'd like them to see a much broader conversation. I think that's really value-adding for, for people. Sure. And Steve, um, kind of sticking with you on this, um, would this kind of financial planning help maybe, you know, you said it will help with the more younger audience. Would it help with yeah. kind of like intergenerational wealth, you know, like if you had parents and kids sat together and, you know, you're going through planning, whereas if you're kind of looking at advice, you know, kids the kids might not be necessarily as interested but when it's you know the whole planning and you're bringing all of this into it is that where you know you can bring clients children along to meetings and be like right we need to look at this for xyz absolutely so uh, younger generations um, would welcome some education on financial education i mean proper financial education about uh, how to uh, build and manage their own finances uh, the type of education I'm talking about I go called financial activation, which uh, enables a person to become more engaged with their own finances so that they can control and run their own money and not rely on other people to do it. Uh, we call it democratization or um, uh, decentralization of financial planning, where, where the uh, younger people of today, they like to run their own money, they're more tech savvy, they're familiar with the technology, uh, more confident when it comes to self-investing. Probably future investors of tomorrow are more likely to be self-directed than um, delegating, shall we say. And with intergenerational wealth transfer, it's really important to give confidence to the, the boomers who are passing on the estates that that money is going to be in safe hands and well run. It's not going to spoil the life of the of their children and it's going to be used used well and put to good use so uh, education piece for the younger generation is a very important part of the conversation for uh, every generation uh, multi multiple family um, situations you know it's, it's very very beneficial to kind of have this education piece and it's the planning is a lot more exciting like you say than uh, than probably the uh, investing 
Do you have anything to I, I completely agree. Again, the, the the three things that we looked at when we set up our business was um, talked about advice gap, trust gap, and education. And young people today are very savvy. Um, they've got a lot of information at their fingertips, um, and, and a, they want this. They want they want to know what's going on. They want to understand it. But not only that, they've got access to investment options that, that previous generations have just never had. Access to availability and ability to invest in all different kind of assets. Um, and they're keen to do it and they're yeah. keen to do it. Um, and I think that, uh, again, a tra- the traditional financial advice industry needs to be aware of that as competition. You know, when I started in the industry 20 odd years ago, it was the competition came from the banks and perhaps other financial advisors. Today it is global and it is at people's fingertips. And so in order to protect the profession, um, we need to become more adaptable. We need to to innovate and, and think differently and perhaps not tie costs to 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 investment amounts or fees to investment amounts. And just to be aware that that the competition is very real and younger people um, you know, have it at their fingertips. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess they have kind of incorrect information at their fingertips as well, which is even more worrying. So that's the thing, you know, there is an abundance of information, but, but you know, how do you fact check that? And also how do you bring it all together to, to make it coherent? And that's, yeah. that's obviously where we should step in and, and help. Yeah, definitely. And just sticking with you, Sam, I know you said about, you know, this, it could kind of boost trust in the profession. I'd wondered if we could just stick with this and just like how, because obviously, you know, advisors are seen as you know by some people as you know money grabbers like you know they're helping you because Mm. they have fees and they want your money kind of thing would kind of focusing on planning help this then because you can really show like the worth of an advisor yeah i think if you if you're charging a professional fee for a professional service that's how we how we look at it um so the client should know exactly what they're going to get for their money and in, in our opinion, if you can do that in a way that that um, we're not incentivized to invest people's money, mm. you know, we'll 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 charge a fee for the financial plan, and an investment may form part of that. It may not. It doesn't really matter. Our our fee is our fee, and and that just need, needs to be made clear. But it also needs to be available to everybody. So, if you have an industry that talks about trust and honesty and integrity as it does regularly. For me, that's an immediate, you know, what other industry says these words so regularly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it, what we need to do is make it just very clear for, for, for clients that they know what they're getting and they know what they're paying and they understand the value in that. Yeah. Um, if we have a, a charging system which isolates the vast majority of people because they can't get a look in because they don't have the assets to pay for it, it's an immediate, you know, you have to look at this from the outside in. It's an alarm bell, like it's a... It's a it's a yeah. red flag in many ways, in, in, in a lot of people's eyes, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, Steve, kind of sticking with you on, like, charges as well, how would this kind of be charged then? You know, would financial planning be cheaper so that, you know, you know, the average Joe maybe can kind of get some? Yeah, I think there's something I'd like to say first, just on this last point you made about the separation of planning and advice. Where they're separated a planner, they the planner is like the professional on your side of the table. So they're not touching the money at all. You don't, the, the, the customer owns the placement of the assets. There's a complete segregation, which actually helps in the, in the trust process. Um, regarding the charges, the charges are the same uh, for your time, whether you're a financial planner or a financial advisor. 
So let's say you say charge £200 an hour. So whether you're a financial planner or a financial advisor, you still charge £200 an hour. Where it becomes cheaper for the planner is that, um, unlike a financial advisor who needs to see individuals one by one to make a suitable recommendation based on the individual circumstances, the planner is like can facilitate groups of people and generic advice can be delivered to a group of people all at once so if you have 10 people all at once then everyone pays a tenth of the price so it's instead of 200 pound an hour it's 20 pound an hour if it's uh you have 100 people who are on a, a webinar or a podcast then uh they could they, you know then it's two pound an hour so it's it becomes access that's the way it becomes accessible financial planning becomes accessible to to everybody so nobody's left behind with financial planning uh, but with uh, regulated investment advice unfortunately it can only be delivered on a one-to-one basis and if it's 200 pound an hour it's 200 pound an hour and that's why 95 percent of the population are excluded from it as a service if that makes sense yeah no that makes perfect sense um sam you kind of do a tiered approach to charging don't you do you mm. think like that would work then as well yes yeah, so our, our tiered approach <clears throat> so i i, I really think about technology a lot and i think you know technology is is t- technology is deflationary so the more technology that you, you build into something the cheaper the cheaper that it gets over time and this is going to be and i you know we built this with two three five ten years in mind i, I just believe that this is the way that, that this is going to go at the moment it takes us around about 15 hours to build a financial plan um that's going to come down significantly which is going to allow us to see more people and it's going to and it's going to allow us to um potentially with the technology potentially make things even cheaper mm-hmm. um again having access to financial planning done through ai which which we're not there yet it's a you know but it but it will happen this is an option to um to roll this out to to many many people younger people and perhaps People that maybe aren't ready for um, maybe bespoke tax advice, maybe um, you know more in-depth conversations around um, the, the detailed financial planning, but basic tax, basic rate taxpayers, and perhaps younger people. Um, this this can be rolled out in the next five years, um, mm. unquestionably, and and that's going to be an interesting situation for, for 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 the industry because it's how do we, how do how do how do people compete with that, and how do they embrace it? Do they embrace it? Yeah. Um, so our tiered approach, yeah, we have for, for under 50s, we have um, a basic financial plan, which is which is one cost. Our second tier, we do do the investment management on top of that. And then the third tier we have, um, which is aimed at more additional rate taxpayers and higher rate taxpayers where, where there is more focus on the bespoke tax yeah. um, planning. So there's three very clear tiers and um, and it's really being embraced at the moment, particularly people in their... 30s 40s young professionals yeah. by and large um and we just try to make it clear we, you know it's a, it's an evolution we, we, we are going through that process of evolving our entire and, and entire um business and service levels and and we're kind of happy with where where it's at but it but it's you know it will yeah. change again as yeah. as things move and as techni- technology grows sure and I know we've kind of been speaking about, you know, how good this could be. But obviously there's good and bad in everything and we know that. So, Steve, I was wondering, you know, what the potential pitfalls of this could be. You know, could it lead to complications in the advice phase? Like, for example, like planners straining to, like, give in regulated advice? I think the, uh, the 
rules, the perimeter guidance are very clear on what the difference is between uh, regulated, uh, FCA regulated advice and generic advice. Uh, they've been published for a long time. They're very clear. Um, and I think it would be everyone would benefit from making themselves more familiar with with, with that. Um, they, I, like I say, the it's a big picture, small picture. There's a small picture which is about the running of your own investment portfolio, um, which I say is probably a, is five percent of people's assets. Is probably 0.1% of the total wealth of an individual when you can take intangible assets into consideration. So it's a very small issue. And um, most people, I think you'll find with the younger generations now, they're, they're happy to run their own portfolios on investment platforms, direct consumer platforms, uh, retail multi-asset funds and that sort of thing. And you, you kind of meet people who are already running their own money. Um, and... That what you do about running your own money or not running your own money is a very small secondary part of the financial planning conversation. The most important part of all of the financial planning conversation is the life plan. And I know, Sam, that you're very interested in that too, planning the life of the yeah. client with the book of the money. And that's kind of, you know, that's that the huge part of the, at least half the conversation is about planning their life and working out what money needs to be, where and when and with whom. And when you've done that, doing the cash flow forecasting and all of these things are not regulated activities. It's only when you do that with a view to making a recommendation of buying of a set or selling of a particular investment, uh, which rarely comes up, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not even part of the conversation because it's about creating wealth uh, rather than make, managing wealth in your domain. So it's it's not it's not as such a big issue as people think it might be. It's very easy when we're in the industry and we're looking at regulated world and that's our entire world to believe that's the entire world, but it isn't. It's a very small part of the bigger financial planning picture. And I'd encourage planners listening to this to kind of venture out into that wider world of uh, other types of assets and other asset strategies and cash flow strategies that support people's life plans uh, and just venture out and learn more about that because it's really exciting and really interesting there's a lot of good information out there like i say from london business school united nations do a lot of information on this as well because they use it as a strategy to eliminate world poverty um, so there's some really interesting information out there. I just encourage people to kind of reach out, go and learn about it and uh, try and incorporate it in their businesses. Sure. And Sam, do you think there's any kind of downsides of it? No, I, well, <laughs> embracing this, no, I don't. I think there's a, there's a, there's a, it's an evolution of, of our profession. And I, I totally, totally agree with Steve. And, and doing these things and um, getting involved in the life planning, it becomes... You know, it's an honour to really sit with a client and let them open up to you. It's, you know, it's a privilege and we have a real opportunity to embrace that, but go, go deeper and I think into communities as well and become heart of, heart, the heart of communities. I see that's where, that where, yeah. that's where we're heading, hopefully, if we get this right. And um, um, yeah, yeah I, I think there's a real opportunity and I think there's just, it just requires a little bit of vision and a little bit of innovation and bravery perhaps. But um, and confidence as well, confidence in what we do, confidence what we're what we're capable of, um, and yeah, I think that there's a big, you know, I think I think we can do this. I think yeah. there's a big 
big opportunity because we 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 value what we do. Um, you know, we see it on a daily basis with our clients. Um, so so scaling this up, you know, is something that we should be excited about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, did either of you have any closing remarks before we kind of wrap this up for today? I would just like to echo what Sam said there about communities and to also think about workplace as well. Because <clears throat> worksite uh, opportunities are opened up for financial planners. Uh, employers are very desperate to help their employees better navigate their finances, improve their financial well-being. And this is perfect for it, this financial planning where there's no uh, risk of being sold a product, um, employers will open the doors and welcome you in to help people manage their finances and manage their life and create a, a life of more significance for them. Significance is a big thing in the workplace, as is well-being. So there's a big opportunity here for anyone who's who's um, you know ready to grasp it. So go for it, guys. You know. <laughs> And again, to to agree with Steve, we 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 regularly enter workplaces, and it and it, it has a big impact. It allows us to get our message out, and it allows us to impact lives in a big way. And you know, we we've done a lot on workplace well-being and, and mental health and things. And I think it's around about thirty three percent of employees cite mental health as sorry as financial um, stress as as one of the biggest problems for mental health and i would suspect that that number's higher because a lot of people still don't don't want to talk about it so it and it also represents a potential new income stream for for the industry as well if we can you know get into businesses and and try to come up with some innovative solutions to to support their employee well-being packages um but but definitely um i agree with steve just you know big opportunity we just need to be um i think just just open ourselves up to, yeah. to the potential of it and look at look at s- new ways of 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 how we can in, um innovate and charge differently you know we we've got suggestions but we don't have the answers you know there yeah. are no right answers <laughs> so it's just about um y- yeah really thinking about what we do and and thinking deeply about how we can impact lives and how we go about it sure Well, Steve, Sam, thank you so much for joining us this week and tune in next week where we will discuss other goings on in the industry. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.